You're listening to Reach MD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Hi, this is Dr. Ann Goldberg, president of the National Lipid Association, and I'd like to welcome you to Lipid Luminations, hosted by Dr. Larry Caskell, presented by the National Lipid Association. In 2004, the United Kingdom made a bold step in promoting public health by offering statins behind the counter. What can we learn from their experience, and are we ready for OTC statins in the United States? Joining me today is Dr. Jerome Cohn, cardiologist and professor of medicine and cardiology at St. Louis University, where he also serves as the director of preventive cardiology. Welcome, Dr. Cohn. Thank you very much, Larry. It's a pleasure to be here. Dr. Cohn, I know you've been a a big, staunch proponent of OTC statins. Can you tell me why and where we're at? I have been an advocate of OTC statin therapy for a number of years now, and the reason really relates to my interest in public health and the recognition that coronary disease is an enormous problem in this country. It also comes from my knowledge and recognition that since 1987, we've had a statin approved by the FDA and in general use in the United States, and the first one was Lovastatin in 1987. Uh, we studied the drugs, some of them actually before then in 1985, so we've had more than 20 years of clinical experience using patients and treating them with statins. And I think the safety profile is now well known, and that then permits us to consider using this drug over-the-counter. And I think the same consideration was the one that was made by those in the U.K., United Kingdom, when they made their decision back in 2004. Why is it always that Europe is always ahead of us in terms of uh, releasing things to the market and just being ahead of the curve and and most of the time being right? Well, that's an interesting question. I think there are two reasons for that. And I've spent a year studying at the University of London, so I know their system a little bit. Number one, their history in epidemiology and in preventive medicine in general, led by the now deceased Sir Geoffrey Rose, whom I studied under in the Rose questionnaire that we use in angina, has been in prevention and prevention of disease. So that's always been one of their number one approaches. The second reason is that they did a major study in the UK called the HPS, or Heart Protection Study. And it was published a couple of years before 2004. And at that time, they showed that the drug that was used, simvastatin, compared to placebo, Across the board, a wide spectrum of patients, a huge study, 20,000 patients randomized to either simvastatin or placebo, showed benefit. Right. It was irrespective of their, of their LDLs. Yes. They had 3,000-plus patients admitted into that study who had an LDL level less than 100 at the time that they were randomized and had seen at baseline. That would meet the criteria for achieving goal in the United States today. Those patients taking simvastatin in that group had a 25% reduction in events as compared to those assigned to placebo. And so it was well across the board, and the safety profile, as it turns out, of all the 20,000, half of them, 10,000 on the active agent, was very, very good. And so they looked at it. This was actually the third consideration, Larry, from an economic point of view, because they don't have all of the resources that we have. Their medical resources are much more limited in the U.K. than the U.S. And so they did a cost analysis, an economic analysis, looking at, you know, would this be a good thing to have available over-the-counter? And the answer clearly came out yes. Yeah, it seems like it would be a nice way to shift the cost burden from either the government or the insurance companies to the consumer. Exactly right. 
The other thing that is different in the U.K. that allowed them to proceed is they have a third tier. We have in this country an Rx tier for physicians writing prescriptions only for drugs that require it, and then an OTC tier. In Britain, they have a tier called behind-the-counter, which is by law there uh, mandated for certain classes of drugs, particularly those that come off the Rx labeling and not ready for OTC. That means that there is a learned intermediary, usually the pharmacist, who stands between the patient and the product so that you just can't go in and buy it off the shelf as you could in our country for OTC, but you would have to go through a series of questions that would be asked to you by the pharmacist. And if you gave responses that indicated you were appropriate for the therapy, then you would be given the drug without an Rx from your physician. So it's, it's nice to have the pharmacist actually engaged in the patient's health care, whereas here they're really just handing out pills. In the FDA considerations that have been put forward by some of the pharmaceutical companies interested in OTC statins, there is, in fact, assurances that this product would only be available for sale in pharmacies. And so although there is no third tier mandated by law in the United States, it could well be that this could be a behind-the-counter drug without having that official class status. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Caskell, and I'm speaking today with Dr. Jerome Cohn, Director of Preventive Cardiology at St. Louis University. And we're talking about the possibility of having statins go over-the-counter or behind-the-counter in the United States. Dr. Cohn, it seems that the safety issue has been addressed and that over-the-counter anti-inflammatories probably cause a much greater health risk than statins. So why, why the disconnect? Well, I think it has to do with the historical development of the drug or the class of drugs of statins. There was one that was removed from the market, cerevastatin, uh, which was an outlier in terms of causing muscle problems and rhabdomyolysis. The others that are currently on the market have really a low side effect profile. In our previous discussions with the FDA, they indicated to us that they thought the drug was safe enough. So you have the issue of liver disease, and in the future, we don't think that liver profile determinations will be required even by physicians. We spend, Larry, hundreds of millions of dollars in this country for liver function tests, and it is truly unnecessary. In some of the larger studies where patients were admitted with enzymes that were in the level of one to three times upper limit, which still allow them to participate in the trial, when these patients were followed in the course of the clinical trial, there was no untoward effects from liver disease. Many of these patients have elevated enzymes because they have NASH, non-alcoholic steatorrhea hepatitis. They actually benefit. So the other concern was pregnancy, and it's not a teratogenic product, as the ACE inhibitors are, for example. It has never been shown to be teratogenic in, in humans. I think most people don't know that. Yes, but you know, in its over-the-counter use, if it comes to that, it will not be recommended for low-risk women, which includes premenopausal women. You have to be a certain age for both a man and a woman to qualify. In addition, if you're really high risk, such as a diabetic or have proven disease, it's also not a product for you because it would be available only in lower strength, so-called OTC strength. If you have a, a known vascular problem or if you're a higher risk patient, obviously you would be directed to your physician. That would be my concern that you know someone with known disease needs to get their LDL below 70, and you and I both know they won't get there with most of the time with over-the-counter doses. So these people would have to be plugged into the system somehow and under 
physician's care. Right. And in fact, the labeling of these compounds would direct patients not to even buy the product if they have known disease, if they have heart attack or had a stroke or any vascular disease, then they should see their physician and not buy this product. Dr. Cohn, one of the things that bothers me a little bit is that, you know, you and I both treat human beings and we know that they kind of tend to disregard heart-healthy activities, and if they're under the illusion that this pill alone that they get over-the-counter is going to decrease their risk, are we, in a sense, kind of enabling them to continue their poor behaviors? Yes, we call it compl- when they get complacent. I've had patients who actually have teased me about having an extra statin for dessert, and obviously this is a consideration, but companies that have put forward suggested programs have included in it 800 numbers and websites where consumers could go to get information about diet and exercise, but obviously uh, there's no guarantee that they're going to do that. But it is part of a global treatment strategy that these pharmaceutical companies have in mind uh, when they propose OTC products. What can you tell me about consumers' behaviors? Have they studied, you know, how people would relate to this or react? Well, that's a good question. We know who the OTC user is. It's somebody who doesn't want an Rx, who thinks an Rx from a physician or even seeing a physician means they're sick. And so we're talking about people who don't have disease, who are at high risk because their LDLs are above the goal of uh, less than 130, that is, let's say, between 130 and 160, and these are people who may be health conscious, who may not smoke, etc., but their LDLs need a 20 to 25% reduction, which you can get with low-dose statin. These are consumers who spend hundreds of millions of dollars, literally, every year, if not more, on OTC products which are worthless. Not only are they worthless, but they may be harmful. We have 22 years of statin proof of efficacy, clinical trial efficacy, including primary prevention, such as AFCAPs, TEXCAPs, and very well-studied drugs, and yet it can't be bought over-the-counter, and they can buy all of these kind of herbs over-the-counter, which, A, we don't know what they are, B, they don't work uh, in most cases, and C, they may be harmful. Well, it seems that the the benefit definitely outweighs the risk in in over-the-counter statins. clearly does in the intermediate or lower risk individual who is not being treated by a physician and we recommend that they know their cholesterol levels before the product be bought, that they know what their LDL is. So the idea isn't to go around the physician, the idea is to include the physician in the loop and some of the consumer studies prior to presentation the FDA has actually shown that consumers are driven in to ask their doctor about whether this product might be appropriate for them. So the reverse happens, and in my discussion with physicians, Larry, the knee-jerk reaction is usually a negative one. They're against the idea because some of it it represents a loss of control by the physician. That is, they don't have the prescription writing that's limited to them for this particular type class of drug, that is the statins. And so there is a fear about that. But in fact, I think, A, it'll be great from a public health point of view because we'll see our treatment of this lower risk population where a lot of events occur over time and B, it'll actually drive people in to see their physicians as our studies show and this I think will be good for the physician as well as the patient in being able to detect other diseases or the higher risk patient. You're involved on a task force for getting this to go over the counter and you recently attended a meeting 
I think, last weekend. What what happened at the meeting? Well, there was just discussion of a strategy. It's been presented to the FDI on two separate occasions. The advisory committee is usually made up of people from the OTC committee as well as from a committee that represents the metabolic. We were very heartened by the fact that Orlistat has now gone over the counter. And the FDA has not been very keen on recommending OTC therapy for a chronic condition. And obesity is obviously a chronic condition. And Orlistat, which will be known by, I think, a, a brand called Ally, is approved. It will be out there soon for OTC therapy. And so this is really, I think, in some ways a precedent setter that may well be a good omen for uh, getting statins approved over the counter. On that note, I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Jerome Cohn, for coming on the show. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill. Thank you for listening to Lipid Illuminations, presented by the National Lipid Association. For more information, please visit www.lipid.org. Reach MD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals.